0: what's happening welcome to the first season of apples and snakes the podcast i'm your host yomi Shode, and this season we will be focusing on what it means to be black british and a poet or spoken word artist if you're interested in getting a greater insight into the journeys of some of your faves then join us and keep listening Saying that, if you do like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcasts and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Sometimes our stories need music. I know that I did not start off with just writing poems on a page. I started off producing music, listening to a lot of grime, as well as rap and hip hop, and some way it fused into poetry. Join me in conversation today with Zena Edwards and Eclipse as we discuss this and unpick it a little bit further. Oh my gosh! Audio producer Drew's giving me the thumbs up. <laughs> Producing that is sick. We're good to go at any street. Listen, I told people this is not my normal. I'm, I'm trying to still find a way as to how to introduce this entire situation because I've been talking to some awesome people and. We're not slowing down anytime soon because this this theme that we're talking on right here is with the dopest two. And it's an absolute pleasure. Isn't it? Big. Where do I even start to even big up the one and only Xena Edwards? Where do I even start to big up the one and only Eclipse? Make some noise. Just tell the massive. Let's just hear you. Let's just, what's happening? What's going on?
1: How you doing, Yams? I'm, I'm all right. I'm, yeah. I'm all right.
0: Before clips comes in with that deep bass. Yeah. yeah before
1: I was about it to is. say yeah. I can feel the rumble all the way in South London. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hello, guys. <laughs> coming
0: in, coming in with some deep, deep, deep bass. Oh, oh no. no, this is this is. Listen, listen, listen. Sometimes our stories need music how much truth is in that pure truth is in that and zena i just want to um i want to take you back i take you back a little bit i remember there was a gig at plan b yeah there was a gig at plan b brixton and you went on that stage and you brought up this instrument that i, I, I for the life of me i know i'm going to pronounce it wrong i believe it's the Klimbe.
1: kalimba yeah
0: Kalimba, kalimba. Kalimba. you born a kalimba and you and you started this process of you know, I, I recently purchased this, and it's almost like it was almost like, yeah, yeah. But how did you do that? what did you how how and where? because when I saw the way you just used this instrument with your voice and you just told these stories. I was just captivated i was just i i was i was on a i was on a lineup that 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 evening I remember because rob was doing photography big up rob all day every day and um and he took this incredible shot of you but at the same time like he would like incomes you with this piece and then I was just like that is that is i want i want to do that i i i i don't know how to and I'm inspired and i believe this these are some of the just the innovative ways that I've seen you work with music over time and how important it is for you. Do you know what I mean? And I just want to, again, thank you because you set these benchmarks, these benchmarks of memory that I pinpoint that I'll go to every single time. Um, Eclipse, big up, big up, big up. I remember, I remember when (laughs) you, I remember you handed me your self-published poetry collection when you were around twelve,
2: bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was young, and yeah, I was twelve when I when I dropped that, I think yeah. Bro,
0: when you was like twelve. <laughs> and the thing is, I was like I had to immediately when I looked at this collection, I had to look at my life, like bro, what am I doing? <laughs> I had to immediately look at I'm just like, Rah, twelve. Twelve. No but you're from the lineage. B, big up, big up, B Manzini. Big up, B Manzini. And when I, when I, when I think about just the, just the, the craft and the, the family that you're from, also, mm. of course you're going to be releasing work around that time. Of course, of course, come near 12, 12 years old. This is a norm for you for the most part. And I weren't twelve, but I was certainly doing open mics. So I was like, this, <laughs> no, this I mean, guy's already out
2: here. But no, Mumsy, man. She made it happen
0: listen big up mumsy, big up mumsy every yeah. time and seeing that journey of yourself and then how you transitioned into music and in the same way that i have also worked with music over time mm. and poetry mm. i'm really looking forward to how we're gonna wrap right now in terms of just this conversation and mm. what we're talking about so again thank you very 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 much for just for just joining this exchange um before we get into anything, I would like to just go to Zina and just ask if you have anything to share to just welcome us into this discussion, real quick.
1: Poetry? A piece of a poem?
0: It's up to you. I'm yeah, just like, yeah, take yeah. us wherever you feel you want us to take us, you yeah, know? Yeah,
1: I do. I do have some a poem, actually. Um, and I think this is about, this poem is really about um, my introduction to music at a very young age, what my mum was listening to, basically, and how I got into the storytelling of the songwriters of the time. These songwriters, you know, if you're old school or if you know your musical history when it comes to soul and blues and R and B, then you're gonna recognize some of these references. But um, I'm gonna send an image of me as a kid when I used to be listening to this kind of music from my mom, and I'm also yeah. gonna show my age as well with this, because I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about when 33s were regular, you know, 33 vinyls spinning records at 33, mm. 33 yeah. rpm is was. That's how you listen to music. No, no digital, no MP3, no, none of that streaming stuff. It was, this is how you listen to music. So this poem is called um, When the 33 Spin. Eleven and home alone with the turntable and the shiny, licorice platters playing memories made treasures and cuckoo stories of broken hearts, of lost things found, of courage liberated a triumphant fist of blues, a spectrum of emotion played in those grooves, onyx plates of soul food. Bobby Womack, gravel molasses tone, riffs stretching notes beyond the elasticity of time. Funkadelic do-loops scoop me on my roller skates where I ripped up carpets and broke door handles. Let's get it on, big people's music, it felt new. Marvin understood the expanse of a night for lovers, for lovers of Hugh. Why did Anne, Anne Peebles, watch and listen to the rain and it made her feel so blue? I would come to understand as a grown woman later, but I know something in my new soul moved as they crooned. Mum had a taste for fine-tuning the house with music and how the madpies came to seduce my little bird heart. Surrender my soul for barely twinkling things that swell in my fantasy wardrobe to slice my wrong flesh. Place it with the perfection of a salty blonde and a brighter skin. Silicone to parody beauty. Look at me, I'm Sandra D. My skinny heart was used to the blanking of all the boys on the estate. Dark skin, no good hair. Invisible keloids rise like the tower blocks at, at their stripping words just wanting to be seen so as not to disappear at ground zero. So I tiptoed and skipped over turning vinyl landscapes, jumped, laughing over the needle's arm, played tag with the reality of life as this girl, the life as the one that I imagined holding Michael Jackson's hand, dancing on paving stones, illuminating with each giggle, both our heads held high, back teeth smiling at the sky. Thank you
0: i was just I've been, I've been i've been i've been a key thing for the series that i'm saying is i wish i had some sound effects because i'll be just the sounds i would be setting off after each poem
1: <laughs> would be
0: the one will be absolutely the one but what's an entry into into this into this talk and into our exchange and just on the note of just journeys of the note, because you, you you mentioned you was very you was very kind of adamant in saying the thirty-three BPMs. Like I I I went through a strong phase in the two thousands of 140 BPMs. This is this is this, is, this <laughs> right. is how it's, how it's changed over time, right? Mm. In terms of in terms of just just what I found to be something that was a home for me. And that was just this 140 BPM, like on a constant basis. Mm. I wanna before I wanna just go into the journeys of both of you and I wanna start with Eclipse first. I know I touched on the collection in the first instance from like the age of twelve. But I really wanna know more about what don't I know about you, bro? I'm just like what 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 if we, if there's a way to kind of, not summarize, but to kind of give us like a, a brief journey of your own journey from uh-huh. a stage that was before Grime for the most part, like what, tell us about Jamal in the first instance mm-hmm. and then as we then
2: later met Eclipse, you know? So okay. yeah, if you don't mind. No, sure. Um, well, hmm. it, it kind of all started like because in school, um, I was really, really, really poor at English you get me okay. like, when I was growing up my English was just not like academically I was not doing what I needed to be doing and obviously um obviously when I was really little obviously my mom didn't do poetry and that like she didn't she didn't perform she wasn't writing but when I was around six I believe seven like that's when she started delving into it on a on a on a on a deeper level and yeah but she just used it to help me um get better at English And eventually it became, like, my life. (laughs) You get me? I was, like, coming to uh, Malika's kitchen with her because it was just me and her at home. So she just rolled with me. And it just became a constant in my life. You get me? She was writing constantly at home, like, using it to reinforce um, the things I was struggling with uh, academically. And, um, yeah, it just all came together. And I started uh, writing probably, I think, around nine. um, Mm. Started performing at around 11. What are you um, telling me right now? This is then, insane. Yeah, bro. That's why the book came out so early because I've been <laughs> writing it <for> so long. <laughs> I've been doing it for a while already. So, yeah. Wow. Bro, um, in, in year seven, though, like first year of secondary school, I didn't go to school. So, mm. I was being homeschooled. So, that became a major focus in the things that I was doing. You get me? Yeah. Obviously, my mum was going into schools and uh, facilitating workshops, and I would shadow her, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to meet people like Xena and like, like, loads of the legends. You get me? There's too many mm. names to reel off um, mm. very, very early in my life. Um, and that became like a major influence to me. And but when I like kind of went back into the education system, and I was, like, a teenager, you know, going to school in the area and all of these things. Like, yeah. those other influences started hitting me. Just, like, life in general just became yeah. a lot of different in, in terms of the things that I went through. And um, obviously, like you said, in terms of the 140 BPM, that whole era becoming very mm-hmm. at the forefront of, like, a lot of what we were listening to, mm-hmm. um, that just took over, man. And grime just became the perfect middle ground for me anyway um, to express like the things that I'm going through, as well as like my linguistic ability, yeah. and um, yeah, bro, it's just since the age of 14, I've just really been making music a lot. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the basic prelude to everything that's come thus far. Cool, um, Zena. Where do we even start?
0: <laughs> oh right,
1: <laughs> okay. So um...
0: where do we start?
1: I'll tell you what, right? Like for me, music was my saving grace. Like this, 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 the poem that I read for you was about, there was no poetry scene when I started writing poetry really anyway. Um, There was a few like nights that were happening around the place, uh, around South London predominantly. Otherwise you were going to pubs um, or festivals and you weren't necessarily going to be invited there or you just didn't feel welcome as a, as a, as a person of color. So, so much. So for me, I was in the music industry. I was singing and um, singing a lot, doing theatre production. Sang in a few bands. Sang the South African gospel choir. um, Sang in a few choirs actually, Um, but I. It was very hard for me when I started to do poetry, and poetry was working for me. This would be my first poetry gig. Let me just get this out. My first poetry gig was in 1993 with Apples and Snakes Poetry Organization. And I was working mm. with a percussionist at the time, a Ghanaian drummer um, called Isaac Tego. And um, so I was doing more kind of, it was very much kind of that that idea of the urban griot kind of vibe. But I didn't mm. like taking the yeah. title griot because griot is a, is a heavy responsibility. If you think about what the griot is um, in terms of um, ancient Malian history, the role of the griot was the diplomat. The role of the griot would be the person who had all of the... Knew all of the, uh, the, the history, the politics of like whole domains and kingdoms. So you would, mm. you would come in with your instrument. There would be artisans, they were instrument, instrumentalists, they were storytellers because that was the way they communicated the stories to the people. It was yeah. telling the stories of the, 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 the history of, of, of royal lineage and politics um, through song, through music. Mm. Through, through poetic talkings, speakings, <laughs> you know, um, that was yeah. how people knew what the news was. So, um, mm. but there's a, there's a heavy responsibility to, to as, an, as, a, as a griot. Uh, so I never really like took the title on, even though people would talk about being urban griots. I'm like, okay, that's not for me. Uh, but what I will do is I will invest in learning some kind of instrumentation to accompany me so that, rather than being torn between the world of music and poetry, I want to fuse the two together. So that's where you saw that South African instrument come in, the kalimba, was I was trying to bring, fuse my music and my poetry together and still be influenced by the idea of the griot, but not be a griot, because that's just felt like too much of a, a heavy responsibility. But originally, like with a poem that I read, music was just saving my life as a little black girl in, in North London. You know, that was where I saw myself because you couldn't see yourself in, you know, um, this. I'm talking about when there's only like four channel t- TV channels, right? There's only four TV channels. That's when I was a kid. So um, <laughs> people that don't know my age. But so when I'm saying there's only four TV channels, there was not going to be very much black representation. So it was music was where I found myself, where I found my soul. And my mum was, Mm. she would always, like I said, she fine tuned the house with, um, with, um, with music.
0: I, um, you, you sp- thank you both. Um, and I think there's something about music in the way you, you you speak about music as something that also carries equal weight. It's not only the words in which you're speaking, but now in physicality. So in lifting and holding the, the, the kalimba, for instance, for example, it's a representation of a culture. It's a representation yeah. of another story. So additional to the poem that you're reading, you're out you're actually holding this instrument, which in itself is a story. And I, you know, I thank you for even clarifying breaking down the grill and the responsibility of the grill. And I and I I wanted to take it a step further in a way and talk about your own works and your own poetry when you fuse it with, with music particularly. Do you feel like you have a responsibility in 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 if anything, breaking the norms of how literature is received, for example. Because there might be some folks that are thinking that it only has to be in this way, when really and truly, it can be in whatever form you choose it to be. So when did you take that decision to be like, nope, this is my ground, and this is the type of art that I'm going to make? Um, Was it ever a thing for you? And that's just something to discuss with both of you. (laughs)
2: <laughs> go
1: for
2: it. All right, cool. Um, I think for me, one thing that music gave me, like, okay, obviously when I first started being in the poetry scene, like the word was imperative in it, you mm-hmm. get me, which I loved, you get me, and that's really what, what made, made me into the kind of artist that I am today, you get me, mm-hmm. in terms of like that. what I'm saying is always at the forefront for me. You get me, like, what, mm. I, what I'm writing and how I'm writing it. And uh, what I deliver within that is, it, like, it goes before anything. But the music, it just gave me a different perspective, man. Like, obviously, when I was when I was doing poetry, like, not that there was... I wouldn't even say there was people discussing limited things, but there were things that were cool to speak about in it. <laughs> you get mm. me, there were things that were cool to speak about. And um, things that I, maybe due to my age, felt so I could only kind of deliver in the poetry realm and man's not going to talk about other experiences that I'm going through as a young black boy from East London yeah. uh, in that vein but when Grime came through and obviously I've been listening to hip-hop from young mum played hip-hop in the yard r and and all them things there so I'd always I'd always had an affinity for music but when Grime came through it felt very it felt almost like age-appropriate for me like, like mm-hmm. the things that I'm hearing the things that are being discussed like even the people that I'm seeing, like, rapping, like, it's like, these are all people that I know or people that I've seen growing up, like, mm. walking around in the ends and whatever. So it gave me a, a duality um, mm. that I think I really needed at the time. And mm. I never really felt like I wasn't a poet, if I'm quite honest. Like, I definitely feel as though, like, my writing is poetics. <laughs> but that that bridge to, like, bring the musical element to it and almost... Um, I feel like when I write poetry, it's like a plain canvas. Yeah, mm. I get given a plain canvas and I can do whatever I like. But having something like almost already there and having to fit my art and blend it with it is an amazing process. And when I found that, I kind of never really looked back. <laughs> looked back in mm. it.
0: yeah. Um, Zina, I don't know if you wanted to add to that. Like yeah, at all in any way.
1: Yeah, I mean. Not a lot of people know that in the background, around from 1994 to, to 1998, I was traveling a lot to, to Africa, South Africa, um, Botswana, um, Zanzibar. Uh, a, lot to, a lot of my travels went to South Africa, actually, and, I was working, and Kalahari Desert. So a lot of my travels took me to where there was indigenous people, where music is integral to the storytelling. Um, so, that, hence, why I actually have like I've got a row of kalimbas and embiras and, and sansas. and so I have like lots of different versions of the kalimba that you see, and some of them are much more traditional. And these instruments are considered to be sacred instruments. Mm. And um, and um, what I noticed when it comes to say being in the Kois- what, being in the Kalahari Desert and seeing the Khoisan working with the, a version of a kalimba. The multimodal way that we tell stories through instrumentation, through dance, through movement, through words—all at the same time. There was Mm -hmm. there's no separation. The the entire body is the storytelling device, not just the voice. Mm -hmm. The entire body is involved in telling the story. The voice is involved in terms of like putting, even putting your putting characterization into your voice for telling the stories so that you can get the mystical, um, magical archetypes of all the different characters that you need or the the different types of energies, the different types of our humanness, our humanity, the Mm. archetypes of our humanity. So they might just use their voice, change their voice, bring different characters in, um, as part of the storytelling. And all of this is like, you know, when you think about language, language, um, in different cultures has a different poetics to it, naturally ingrained mm-hmm. in it, through it. We, we deal with English, that's all we've got, right? That's mm-hmm. all we've got. But in other cultures, um, you know like especially when I was in Zanzibar, where Zanzibar is, you've got Arabia, India, and Africa, and that was a tr- that was a trading point uh, for s- trading for slaves. actually smuggling of slaves was on the island of Zanzibar. So the yeah. influences are from Arabia. India, and Africa. So the the poetry of the language there is rich with all of these three cultures. And just the food is amazing as well, because it's like all these (laughs) just pushed together. So the the natural poetics kind of come through in the language. So I think when we become poets, we become very aware of how we can control or uh, um, conjure different kinds of worlds through words. And um, my experience through traveling abroad and working with these instruments really showed me that there's, the palette is wide, the palette is Mm -hmm. wide. And, and that we can we don't have to be limited to our experience of being in the UK or Brit or being in London. So a lot of the, my music was world music as well and listening to poets from from different parts of the world. when I say world music, I'm talking about music from the continent, music from India, music from the Middle East, music from yeah. um, you know different parts of of, of of Africa, sort of like Native American music. I just listen to so much different types of music. Which helped me to to, to keep the palate in my literally in my tongue um, in my yeah. tongue like when it comes to words as broad as it can be so that I can express everything that I want to express with as m- many um, nuances as uh, as that exist out there in a, in a cultural kind of way multicultural mm. kind of way.
0: And in and in talking about poetics, I feel like I think that there is something. Oh man, there's something that's a, it's a little bit sad in the thoughts cuz I'm even thinking about some of the poems that I've I've written and I might like have like mandem in there at some mm. point and I'm just like, "Oh, can I even put this in a poem? Can I even add mandem in a poem like <laughs> or 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 poetics that I use in my day-to-day language which I want to touch on later but I'm just like I'm just listening to some of the stuff that you're saying Eclipse and, and and the way that you're talking about boy if they're certain I know my life and I know what I've been going through and I know what I've been growing through mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's gonna fit in this kind of poetic world in this poetry mm-hmm. world because boy the kind of people that I'm thinking is listening to it or what, it, what they don't probably want to hear mm-hmm. what what I'm talking about, if I'm talking about, if I'm talking about stuff on road or if mm. I'm talking about stuff outside or what I'm going through personally, mm. it might fit more with grime mm. in music and the lyrics because that's of my peers and what I'm hearing mm. as opposed to it being on a page. Cause I don't even know if, if Joe Bloggs is gonna read that in a certain way and think <laughs> what and, and be like, what's this guy talking about? Back, he, has, yeah. he hasn't written that in a couplet type of style. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, what, is, yeah. what is what is Mandem in a what is Mandem doing on a page? Do you mm, know what I mean? Mm, but mm, it fits more in this. And I think there's something that I think is shifting, is changing um over time. We'll witness it, what well, I'm witnessing the 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 work in writers like um Karim parkins brown like like mm. like boyega like caleb femi like like you of know what i'm seeing i'm seeing writers really shift that language now put that on a page to be like no nah, it's staying there because it's part of what i am going through Do you See yes. what i mean yes. because i shared similar anxieties to what you was talking about and i think that there is a there's a loss there because we, I feel like there's a loss there because we lose folks like you, like w- your own truth. There's, mm. there's, there shouldn't be a point in which your truth, you're thinking that your truth doesn't fit in this particular genre. So you've taken it elsewhere where you think it might be more acceptable. And I, and I really want to focus on that a bit. Cause I remember, sorry, I feel like I'm going on. You've done a talk at ICA. Mm-hmm. Um, producing that brought this to my attention, and I was there because I was DJing later that night. It was yeah, Kyle, yeah, yeah. Like, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought my vinyls and my crates, and I had all ready. You was that ready was to was, go, you was ready to
2: go.
0: Live night, but um, your discussion with Kyo, that 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 Kyle Chingoni, um, that evening was around some of these restrictions that you felt that. That you felt that this art form, this the, the poetry world, for the most part, you just don't know if it would accept you. <laughs> so you just said, "I right, cool, it doesn't have to be a beef. I'll just leave." <laughs> and, <that's, laughs>
2: and
0: that 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 makes me sad. Like in thinking that that's the case, and I never got to talk to you about that. And I never yeah. and 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 I know that there were people that were talking about. Ways of, oh, we should have some literature where we just have this aesthetic in there and blah, blah, blah. But I don't think it was actually trying, it was touching on what you just said on that stage. Mm. And what you said on that stage is, I don't think this field is opening its space for people like me. Yeah. So I'm just going to leave. Mm, mm, mm. And I know that you're not speaking for yourself there, you're speaking for a whole bunch of other writers that actually feel the same way. And talking that, man, because we never got to chat about that situation.
2: Well, you almost, see that one there? Like that <laughs> one there. Deep. It runs deep <laughs> because like, I felt like, okay, for me, I'll be just very honest here, innit? As you said, that I was very fortunate to be doing things at a very young age yeah. because I had my mother that was doing phenomenal things already. You get me? And she just showed me the path and opened the doors for me and I just followed, bro. So mm. when I'm in that at a, at age where... I took a lot of boxes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a certain, there's a certain, I don't know, man. I just felt very boxed in it, if I'm quite honest. Like, for a long period of time, I felt like I had to write about things because I was the young black, you, you mm-hmm. get me? Or the young black boy. And obviously, when things opened up and I started, you know, growing up a bit and meeting people that are closer to my age that are doing their thing or have been start, have been doing their thing, like, that was cool, but it also felt like I don't know, man, like, it felt, it felt very engineered at times, innit? You get mm-hmm. me? And that happens in something that, you know, black people are touching on and we're, we're gaining power and traction and, like, you know, certain authority figures are seeing us and they're like, oh, yeah, you guys, here it goes. And when, I, when it was the grime and when it was the music in that element, I just felt like I could be free, bro. Like, I felt like I could talk about whatever I wanted to talk about. I could talk about things like anger. You get me? No one's trying to see an angry poet in the ICA, bro. (laughs) (laughs) At the time. You get me? At the time. Obviously, things have changed. You get me? And that's beautiful to see, like you said, like Kareem Parkins-Brown, Caleb Femi. These are people that are influencing and continuing to make a change. But at the time where it was important for me to feel as though my expression was my ultimate freedom, I didn't feel that freedom completely in poetry. Crazy. So when I found music... And I was able to, even when I first started music, I didn't feel completely free because I could just come from the poetry world. And I was like, okay, so how do I do music? You get me? Mm -hmm. Um, But then I found, like, I don't need to be a one-line gram MC. You get me? I don't need to be the reload MC. I don't need to be the sound effects MC because that's not what I am. Like, man's (laughs) a poet. So when I was able to find a way and a process through bringing my poetry skills and my authenticity through my writing to the musical world, which took a long time. <laughs> but like now that I find it in a way that I like presenting my art and I feel like it's representative of me, regardless of how poetic it may sound, if man was to take the acapella off and read it on the page, it reads and writes in the way that, and sounds, sorry, in all the ways that I want it to. You get yeah, what? man. And that's all that I'm really trying to do, bruv. I don't even really look at it. Like, obviously it's music in terms of the way I package it now, but I don't look at it as I'm not a poet anymore. Yeah. Nah, I could never look at it like that. And maybe when I was younger, there was a bit of a resistance and a bit of a, a anger towards things like Nah, man, like you get me. I couldn't go up there and talk about what happened to me last week in the streets like that. Like, you yeah, get yeah, me. Yeah. But, but that was just a frustration as as a youth. Now nah, there's things that are changing in it. And like you mentioned, Caleb Femi, I was on a project with him called The Lucies that was That's released sick. last year. Um, and it was just like amazing, like compilation of all these underground artists. We all came together in a group chat at the beginning of lockdown. And just three tunes together. Yeah, hey, you dropped there. that on us out of nowhere. Cause
0: I woke up <laughs> yeah. and I just see, I just see like a IG takeover. I'm just seeing <laughs> it. I'm like, yeah. well, how dare you not just kind of <laughs> drop it? <laughs> Everything looking crisp and yeah, it's an it's an incredible body of work as well, man. No, no, the tune no and there's yeah. fire, fire, no, absolutely fire.
2: That was it. Was just mad. Like we made it all in like a week, bro. Like two weeks, like because everyone was just like, "Hi guys, group chat throw hear the beats." You guys, who's gonna do what? And we did it. And it was just amazing, like meeting people like Kayla Femi, and obviously having a continuous relationship with people like Kareem Parkins' Brand, like I'm, I'm blessed that I get to see people doing the things that that sh- they should be doing. Bro. <laughs> you yeah, get me? Yeah. You should be able to go on the stage and write write a piece about manding because when I started writing, I was writing for therapy. You get me? Mm-hmm. I was writing to find a way to let out all the emotions that I'm not necessarily sure how to articulate yet. Yeah. You get me? And that's what I do with all my art now. You get me? And it's just amazing to see man, that I like, yeah, fam stand strong. I'm a poet, bruv. You get me? But mm-hmm. you jump on a rhythm and spazzle it and it's cold, you get me? Yeah, it's yeah. all art. Like like Zeno was saying, it's all encompassing. It's all part of the expression. Like there's no there's no need for that divide. You get me? So it's beautiful to see that change now, man. I
0: would I would I would say that I'm, I feel like I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. I feel like with the, int- with, with the work that Zina's been doing with music, it's made it easier for me to actually access music also in terms of some of the work I'm doing. And I, I, and I guess, you know, Zina, I'm thinking about, like, I feel like I've had my fair share of restrictions, right? I feel like along the way, I feel like there's been some times it's been quite challenging that's kind of, or oh, challenging in a way that's made me almost, that's pit me to choose, like, do I carry on with this music or do I do I just stick to the poetry because it's going to open up these doors and wherever it is, because sometimes when I've had to work with different um, instrumentalists or band, that comes with a cost. And I'm like, oh gosh, then all of this stuff is happening in terms of being booked and whatever and blah, blah, blah. In your own journey, have you like, has there been similar restrictions over time for you? Not so much in regards to whether what, what you're bringing with you, with different band members or whatever it is, or if you're working outside of, of, of yourself, but more so in regards to music or just to the poems. Yeah. Um, have, you, yeah. have you found some challenges and restrictions along the way? There was
1: massive challenges, massive challenges, Right. It was like, it was ridiculous. It was redunculous. It was that bad. It's like being able to, um, do music and poetry together. It was impossible. It was too much, um, too much, uh, um, um, it's like spreading yourself too thin. I couldn't do both. I couldn't do both mm. because the poetry scene was starting to expand. Um, uh, you had like Urban Griot. There was an organi- There was Charlie Dark and uh, uh, can't remember the name of all the team's name. But there was uh, they were the Urban Griots. was with Breeze as well. And then you had like Mango. Li- These were happening in, in the nineties, uh, late nineties. The poetry scene was. This was the poetry scene. Black poets making the scene for themselves because they couldn't feel a part of the mainstream. Now bearing in mind, like I said, the mainstream was literature events and pubs. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, um, if you weren't getting booked for literature events to make your money, then you had to go and make go to the the other events that were um, being put on by poets. So, poets were just taking initiative and putting on events because there wasn't a space. Mm. Uh, So, but I was also doing music at the time, which was which I love. Don't get me wrong, the music industry, but it's hard. The music industry is hard as well and I, I just didn't have the, the sharp enough elbows to, to push people out of the way so I could get to the forefront. I just that wasn't my style. Yeah. So um so fusing the two was important like I said. But I also I had a band, I had a unit of my own, um called Truba that was with Randolph Matthews, um Henrik Jensen on bass and uh Moss Velez who was uh, from Colombia. He was he was on flute and pan pipes and stuff, but and we were doing percussion and stuff together And that Mm. was a fusion of music and poetry, just out and out, music and poetry. And we got together for the love of words and the musicality in words and for the poetry of music. And we got together and we would just play um, as a way to, for for the expression, the same expression that Jamal's talking about because I just needed to express and it was impossible to separate the two for me. But I just want to say that I've got a few things to comment on about the whole thing about the page poet.
2: Go for it. I just
1: think that's a mis a misnomer as an argument. I think it keeps the conversation going. Um, that doesn't need to happen. I think it's got a lot to do with the kind of like old archaic ways about the the publishing world being, you know, predominantly driven and dominated by white maleness. And, uh, you know, so if you think about like the old school poets, like, Shakespeare and Keats and Yeats and all of those um, and um, William Blake, all of those, not saying their poetry wasn't monumental, but it was all very much part of a colonial drive. And anything outside Mm. of that, anything outside of that was considered primitive. And primitive in terms of like it being all history and all history having less value, which means it's Mm. primitive. And that's when you get into a hierarchy, um, a hierarchy, um, that perpetuates a colonial narrative, as far as I'm concerned, that yeah. anything that's oral uh, is less than, and everything that is written down is much more intellectual, it's of a higher, more prestige position, uh, which is obviously mm. a nonsense, because people have been writing poetry or speaking poetry since human beings could put handprints on a wall, you know, mm. in caves somewhere. Mm. That, that was their poetry, mm. that was their storytelling. Mm. You know, so we've mm. been doing it since time immemorial. If we want to talk about writing, but storytelling through the verbal, it, it, um, I'm gonna try not to keep going. I know I go on, but that's because I got so no, much to say. No, go, go, go. <laughs> like, like this is poetry. <laughs> poetry through the verbal, it taps into another part of our human psyche, right? Uh, it taps mm. into another part of our of our ability to listen and get lost in our imagination and get lost mm. in. What it means to be human on a much more metaphysical level as opposed to yeah. like reading on the page. Don't get me wrong, I love reading poetry on the page because I think the page is a performance space in its own right and it's definitely a skill to writing yeah. on the page. But that doesn't mean that is real poetry, it just means it's a different skill, right? Yeah. But yeah. the skill of performing, of holding people, talking about a life experience or that that is relatable that that um is like the the voice for the people who can't who don't get to speak i think that's a crucial something that has to happen as well
0: all right folks we've reached the end of part one of this conversation join us for part two in the next episode of apples and snakes the podcast i've been your host yomi Shode. And i hope you've enjoyed today's deep dive into the lives of black british poets and creatives big ups to audio producer drew hawley at the lab studios if you want to find out more about apples and snakes head over to www.applesandsnakes.org and follow apples and snakes on all social media channels and remember if you like what you're hearing please Please, please subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcast and rate us and leave a review
1: on Apple Podcasts.